testing one, two. Yeah, okay. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I hope you've been able to enjoy the Chick-fil-A repast uh, this morning. Uh, and if you enjoyed it, it was our pleasure. Uh, we are grateful that you're here this morning. It's a beautiful Saturday morning, and you have a lot of things you do. So I'm very grateful, personally, that you're able to take the time to be here with us this morning. I think it's going to be a, a fruitful day. Uh, at least I hope so. And if it's not, you'll tell me. So uh, it has been something that we've been working on for a few months now. Uh, as you know, the mission of this church is to make disciples of all nations and generations. But I was curious about whether we knew how to do that and whether we had the tools to actually live out that mission. Uh, so we thought it was helpful to bring in some people who know a lot about this to help us walk through this event. Uh, in front of you, on, at your places, you have an agenda for the day, and I just kind of run through real quickly what we plan to do for this day. Uh, we will, uh, after we get started this morning, our first session will be uh, with Todd Vogt, who you, many of you already know, who used to work here at Homewood, and Eric Wilson, who is the preaching minister at the University Church of Christ at Malibu, uh, to talk about what is discipleship? What does that mean? Uh, we'll take a break after that, and then we're going to show a film because it's great to hear about what discipleship is, but it's uh, easier for a lot of us to see what that means and hear what that look and see what that looks like. So we'll be showing a film called Ordinary People. A major part of that film deals with something called the KC Underground, uh, and one of our members, our shepherd Larry Rudolph happened to visit KC Underground for a while, so he'll introduce that movie, and we'll talk about that a little bit if we, if we choose to. We'll break for lunch. After that, another familiar face to many of us, Matt Miller, will come and talk to us about what discipleship looks like beyond the borders of this country, how it looks in the other world, because, in other worlds, because uh, we live in a society where Christendom is becoming much more robust and much more vibrant in the Southern Hemisphere than the Northern Hemisphere. So Matt's going to walk us through what that looks like from his perspective working in Rwanda. And then Todd and Eric will come back in the afternoon and tell us how we can make this work within a westernized civil, uh, civilization context. So most importantly, uh, we hope that you get out of this things to do ways to live out this life of discipleship. Uh, and that is the hope for this day, that is the plan for this day, and that is the prayer for this day. And speaking of prayers, uh, I want to start this morning by having our opening prayer said by somebody who is very passionate about the issue of discipleship and who is a great friend of this church, uh, Brother Elijah Anthony, the minister of Roosevelt City. Uh, after that, Brett will come up and introduce Eric and Todd. So, Brother Elijah. It's probably not common for you to see somebody walk up to pray with a piece of paper in their hand. I've gotten to the age now where I, when, when the Spirit puts something on my heart, I try to capture it then. And uh, this is what the Spirit said to me this week, so I don't apologize because it is what the Spirit has placed on my heart. If you will, bow with me. Almighty God, hallowed be your name in all the earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you for bringing us together today to reaffirm our faith in your wisdom and guidance. 
We thank you for those who will guide our discussion regarding greater impact in preparing innovative faith communities of believers and disciples to affect the world through greater emphasis on effective discipling of the Church of our Lord. Guide us in realigning our methods to meet the needs of both a past and new generation of converts. Father, strengthen and equip those who will share with us the work of innovative faith communities today. And grant that our fellowship today will be the leaven that makes a difference in the ministry of discipleship. Thank you for the Homewood Church and its leadership in emphasizing the importance of discipleship. And Father, grant that we may be anxious listeners dedicated to better discernment of your will. May you be glorified in all of our efforts for the kingdom so that we will leave this gathering talking about you and not ourselves. Thank you for sending Jesus to rescue us. And we ask these blessings in his name. Amen. A couple of quick housekeeping things, by the way. For those of you who are not familiar with the building, restrooms are to the left and to the right. Yeah, to the left and to the right. And also, uh, you're probably hear a lot of great things today. So we want to give you the opportunity. On the back side of your program, there's places to take notes, and we left you pins. So please take opportunities to use that. And with that, I present our preaching minister, Brett Walters. Well, I'll just start by saying, Brother Elijah, if uh, anything you write down, you can share with us. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that prayer. Uh, I've really been looking forward to this day for a long time. Um, I, I want to say thanks to Willie uh, for coordinating everything that you've seen here today. Willie has been uh, the, the coordinator behind all that, and I'm really, really grateful. Um, uh, last night, our shepherding group and their spouses got to spend some time with uh, Todd and Candace Vogt, and Willie already mentioned that that Todd uh, was um, on, on staff here years ago, and it's not, uh, it's not common, I shared last night, it's not common for uh, kind of a current minister of a church to be able to connect with a former minister of the church unless they were a part of that transition, and, and Todd and I were, were kind of in separate errors uh, when it comes to that, um, but we got to meet years ago and um, have gotten to reconnect even more deeply uh, these past few months. And so uh, very grateful for that. Todd served as a missionary of this church and then a, a minister of this church. And then in, in 2007, went to work with Mission Alive. And uh, so you saw, uh, we've got Eric over here from Mission Alive, Todd from Mission Alive. And, um, and so Todd will probably talk a little bit more about Mission Alive. But in, in 2015, he became the executive director of Mission Alive. And so I think you'll hear some things about that today uh, as well. Um, and maybe share some more stuff about yourself at that time. Uh, and so uh, our, our vision, uh, and Todd mentioned last night, sometimes we, we just roll out vision after vision after vision. Um, and we try not to do that, but we, uh, we try to be intentional about uh, kind of the things that, that we, we put forth before the congregation. And so one of the things that, that God had laid on our hearts a few years ago was that we want to see kingdom devoted disciples making disciples of nations and generations. And so for us, that's not just a, a cool catchphrase. Um, you know, there's really 
depth, you know, to what that means. And so um, I believe today is, is going to be a day that we're going to begin to prayerfully ask the question, okay, what, is, what does that look like, as Willie said? What, what does that begin to, what can that look like in our communities? Uh, what can that look like in our, in our churches? Um, so there, they'll say some more about that. And then Eric Wilson, who I got to uh, meet a few years ago at uh, a thing called CMI, Contemplative Ministers Initiative, that Randy Harris uh, put, put together. Um, and, and some of us uh, ministers, I can't say that I'm a, I think it was one of our shepherds, Nathan Heisler, that told me I can't say I'm young anymore. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's not just a bunch of uh, young ministers. Um, it was me as well. Um, he said, yeah, yeah, after, after you've been preaching 13 years, you're not young anymore. So, um, <laughs> but it was a long honeymoon. I appreciated the honeymoon, right? Um, so, but uh, we got to, myself and several ministers from across the country got to go and be a part of this uh, initiative uh, that just, that, that helps ministers uh, realize the importance of soul care and taking care of your soul and listening to God and, and not just going through, you know, the motions of of what, you know, what can happen in the life of, of all of us, you know. And so uh, it was a very formative time for me. But uh, Eric came and, and spoke at uh, our Contemplative Ministers Initiative. And uh, you know that a speaker is, is worth his salt if you can remember what they said. Um, you know, a lot of y'all don't remember my sermons, you know. But, but I remember some things that Eric said a few years ago. And one of, one of the uh, breath prayers, and you may hear more about this, one of the breath prayers that he, he gave us was, was from the Song of Solomon. Um, I am my beloved, and my beloved is, is mine. And just being able to repeat that throughout the day, pray that throughout the day, and a breath prayer is just a, a, a one-sentence prayer that you can pray in your breath. And that was uh, very formative uh, just in my faith walk. Uh, so we're excited that you guys are here. Thank you for blessing us. Uh, Eric serves as a preaching minister at the University Church at Pepperdine University. Uh, when God was handing out assignments for preaching roles, he gave Eric Malibu and he gave me Birmingham. Uh, so I'm not bitter about that at all. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm really thankful that, that these guys are, are here um, uh, and, and looking forward to what God's going to do today. And I would just encourage us to... Um, uh, lower your expectations of what you think is going to happen and to raise your expectations of what God's going to do. So I believe that this weekend is going to be a catalyst for what God wants to do uh, for the next season in this church. So guys, I'll turn it over to y'all. We're going to uh, grab some uh, stools and um, <laughs> Todd and I have been talking. Uh, we, we've been friends for far too long <laughs> and um, we talk a lot about discipleship and being formed and shaped in the likeness of Christ Jesus and so uh, we actually prepared a lot of information we might not get to any of it we might just let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit is going to do and look at our notes later and say okay did we talk about this but uh, bear with us as, as we do this, and, and, and Todd, I, I just want to set the stage for, for us. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul. 
joy, my King, in what you hear, may it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. So we've turned our hearts towards God. Now let us turn our hearts towards each other because if we cannot talk about discipleship in love, we're doing it wrong. The end of the day, if we are not loving God, loving ourselves, loving each other, loving our neighbor, and loving our enemy, we're not doing it right. So I wanna start by saying, I love you, man. We, we, we've been doing kingdom work for a long time in a bunch of different ways. I love you, and, and I don't know y'all know y'all, but I love you. <laughs> I love you, we family. And um, as, as family, we get a chance to talk about things as family, which means uh, we might disagree, but we not falling out because we got a brother in Jesus who is in our midst. And if we can leverage this discussion around who Jesus is, we can disagree, but we not falling out. We gonna love each other so hard it won't even matter. Cause hopefully we come out on the other end a little closer in love with Jesus, closer in love with one another, and closer in love with this idea of transforming the world. So, um, Brett, for whatever it's worth, Eric and I cannot say we're young ministers. No, not no more. Either. They used to uh, come in and say, you know, hey, we need a young voice, and now they're like, yeah, can you come yeah. for sage wisdom? <laughs> When did that happen? And, and while you may be, you may have just ditched Birmingham and light of Malibu, I live in Dallas, Texas. So um, I'm still on God's naughty list. All right, we're gonna spend the, the day today thinking, talking uh, about discipleship, which is all about the Holy Spirit of God following the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So most of you are familiar with the term Lectio Divina. I think it's wholly appropriate for us to start our time together in an exercise of Lectio Divina. This is an exercise of listening, okay? So what I'm gonna do is I, I've picked 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. You don't need to read it, and I'll read it for you, okay? I'm gonna ask everybody in the room to just Close your eyes, breathe, breathe deeply for a moment, and then just relax into your chair. Just relax, okay? Put down all your pens and all of that stuff. Don't be such good students today, okay? Just relax, and I'm gonna read 2 Corinthians 3.18, and I want you to listen, I want you to listen for whatever word or phrase kind of floats to the top for you. What, what catches your attention? And we're gonna sit in, in silence for a moment as you roll that over, percolate on it a little bit, 
and then we'll come and do it again. I'll I'll, I'll interject there in a moment. But everybody, let's just mm. let's just breathe for a second. And we all, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. If you would, turn to the people at your table and very quickly and very quietly share with them the phrase or the word that caught your attention and then we'll go on to our second reading. Let me pull you back. We're going to read the very same passage again, or I'm going to read it. I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes again. Just breathe a little bit. This time as you listen. Listen for the specific invitation that you sense from the Holy Spirit embedded in this passage. Okay? Close your eyes, breathe a moment. And we all, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit.
once again turn to your table mates there and share just what is the invitation that you personally sense out of this passage share it with your table we all right? that's an invitation in itself that it is communal Honestly, dude, you couldn't have picked a better uh, passage. I mean, because that, in some ways, is the definition. All of this is the definition of the discipleship is. I was convicted in the reading of this uh, that I don't spend enough time doing this. Mm, mm, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's so rich, and like, yeah. I get so busy, and yeah. I just, yeah. you know. You know, um, for the last, I want to say four or five months, I've been doing a lot deal over every passage that I preach from and it has just opened everything and it's like I, I, I feel like beating myself up and saying dude why weren't you doing this before because I was doing Lectio I just wasn't doing it on your preaching yeah yeah as, as part of that process man. that's great yeah all right one more sorry I know I'm cutting you off y'all get together over lunch or something and, and keep talking about it this time, as we listen, I want you to listen. Um, I want you to listen again for how the Holy Spirit may be inviting you to take some action. What's the action that's embedded in what you are hearing as you set with this passage of Scripture? Okay? So, again, we're going to sit in silence and breathe for just a moment. And then I'll read again, and I want you to listen. What might be the Holy Spirit urging you to do, right? Not, we're not talking about having new thoughts here. We're, ha we're talking about following up this passage with some kind of action in your own life, okay? All right, so let's breathe for a moment, and I will, uh, I'll read here in a moment. And we all who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. All right, if you would turn and share with your table any, any urging that you sense that you need to do because of this passage. Share that very quickly and then we'll move on. It's up to you to break this up. Okay. So be willing to allow the transformation process to occur, right? Love seeing them have a conversation.
All right, the Lord be thanked and praised. Uh, it's easy to um, gather and talk about Jesus, talk about the church, talk about any number of things, discipleship. Um, but I, 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 Todd and I thought it would be um, really important to sort of define some terms, right? So uh, Todd, help us the, define some terms, whether that's discipleship, spiritual formation, how those two things connect, whatever it, it is, but like, how, are, how are you thinking about discipleship these days? Um, so the term discipleship, obviously, that just comes with tons of baggage, mm -hmm. historical baggage. Um, different people have kind of unique interpretations. I'm gonna give you mine. It's the way of the student or the way of the apprentice, maybe would be a better way of thinking about it. It's, it's the way we apprentice ourselves to the life of Jesus. Um, years ago, Candace and I were in a different church and I was teaching and came across a film uh, called In the Dust of the Rabbi. Yeah right mm -hmm. and it was a it came from a book and some of you may know the book but it was the idea that the life of discipleship is that you walk so close behind the lord that the dust that he kicks up from his sandals kind of coats you right um i love that image obviously it doesn't really work in you know 21st century america we're not walking behind people kicking up dust usually um but i love the image that discipleship as the way of the apprentice who's following the master. And that, that it implies all kinds of stuff. It implies all kinds of action. It implies learning. It implies uh, developing character. It implies all kinds of things. Um, and yet we come to 21st century uh, North America and the term discipleship comes with tons of baggage. Mm -hmm. Right, depending on you know what uh, Christian tradition you come from, there have been very destructive discipleship movements. There's some that focus on one thing versus another. Uh, some people use the term discipleship specifically about evangelism, and then anything after coming to Christ, they use a different term for. Hmm. Um, okay, mm -hmm. um, that's not necessarily how I see it. I would say that the term spiritual formation and discipleship are fully synonyms. Mm -hmm. They mean the same thing. They're talking mm -hmm. about this way of following, of growing in our imitation of Christ. Um, you know, there's tons of passions. I, I would encourage you go home this weekend and just do a quick, get on, get on Bible gateway and just do a quick search on the term imitation or imitate mm -hmm. and find all the different passages that talk about either imitating God or imitating leaders who are following God or something like that. This idea of imitation is through and through. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, we just heard it in the passage we just, mm -hmm. that we were just doing Lectio out of, right? Right. right. Um, so the, the consequences of putting ourselves in communion with the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God, mm. and, and I think the same would be true in the Old Testament when, you know, Moses put himself in the presence of God and he comes out 
and he's glowing, right? right? right. And so this whole passage we just read, the whole idea of unveiled faces, mm-hmm. well, it's like, it's like what Paul is saying is, as, as followers of Jesus, we rip off mm-hmm. the veil that separates yeah. what God's doing in us yeah from what God is, you know, so that everybody can see it, right? For better or for worse, everybody can see what God is doing in us. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, you, you talk about glory. I, I did uh, a, a word study on glory recently, and every time you see glory in the Bible, it means a turning point in the narrative of the people of God and that salvation is close at hand, right? Mm -hmm. And so at the very moment that you unveil and you reflect the glory of God to the people that you encounter in every sphere of your life, all of a sudden there is a a turn in the story, (laughs) turn in the narrative of the people of God and that salvation is not far behind. It's a powerful idea Mm -hmm. to really connect to discipleship. Last thing that I would say in, uh, in reflecting on what you, you say is nobody goes into an apprenticeship without intention. Mm-hmm. You gotta mean to be an apprentice. You don't luck up on being an apprentice. <laughs> you don't stumble upon being a disciple. It is done with great intention and you say, I am signing up for a particular kind of relationship that demands, that demands intention. Which means that on some, while the preaching event and classroom events mm-hmm. are have their value in terms of how much formation they can generate, um, they have limited value uh, because they're not quite so personal and intentional. Right. It is that level of intentionality of me saying, I'm putting myself at the feet of the Lord mm. and I want the Lord to change me, right? right? So, so many of us are raised in the church and the truth is, we're not really interested in God changing us much. Right. We wanna do our church thing, right. but whether or not we're open to being transformed, actually we would kinda secretly, <laughs> We kind of would like everybody else to be transformed. Right, right. Right? Because they're the people that need to be transformed, right. not me. I mean, after all. <laughs> so another way of thinking about discipleship is the idea of making space. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so, you know, you guys all live the same lives that we all live in North America, 21st century, crazy busy lives, going 90 miles an hour, have four times as many commitments as mm-hmm. we should. Okay. It is no wonder if we are not, if we are not being transformed, it may be because we're not giving God space and access to our lives for him to affect mm-hmm. the transformative work that would not only change us, but in the changing, it would fire us up, yep. right? I mean, there is nothing, there is nothing like watching the holy God of Israel yeah. work through you to do something. Right. Right? Right. I mean, you know, as a mere human being, you kind of stand back and go, 
what just happened, yeah. right? But it only happens when we give God access to our life as, as powerful and, and, and omnipresent as God is. He will not work through you if you don't invite him. Right. Period. Right. right. He's waiting right. for you to, for all of us to invite him to work in us and, and after working in us work through us. So um, when we talk about things like spiritual uh, disciplines, right? We, we all come to know that word well mm -hmm. over the last 20, mm -hmm. 30 years. Spiritual disciplines. Um, sometimes we talk about spiritual practices, same thing, okay? Whether we're talking about prayer or fasting or Bible reading or worship or silence and solitude, Lectio Divina, whatever it is, all spiritual practices are one way of giving God a little bit of space mm. in our life mm -hmm. to get our attention and then move us to some kind of action as a consequence of having gotten our attention. So, you know, people can make a lot of stuff, a lot of, they make a lot of points about various particular disciplines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. But mm -hmm. in general, spiritual disciplines are just a way for us to open up our life and say, God, come in here mm -hmm. and, and let's, let me open myself. You talk to me, please. Mm -hmm. right. You want to add anything? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Um, this is this is my the place that I traffic in. This is my my stuff here. Uh, the the traditional Christian practices and and spiritual disciplines. Um, they make for good books. Like you can do a couple of really good chapters on each one of those. But as you say, at the end of the day, it's very simple. It's hard, but it's simple. It's hard because it's, it, the, it's using the word discipline, meaning, once again, I got to be intentional about it. There is, y'all been there before. I'm not telling y'all anything. As you talk about, we live busy lives. We'll be at church though. We would have made sacred that, that time. And we get into this discipline of worship, right? We're singing as, as a part of that worship and we sing in and then you looking around as you sing and your thought is, why is she wearing that? <laughs> and you singing and it's like, Oh, they decide to come. Mm. <laughs> singing, and it's like, what am I gonna eat after? <laughs> to discipline yourself is to say, what is she wearing? Oh, I'm distracted. Let me give some loving awareness to the fact that I'm distracted and go back to practice, right? Now, what we can't do is say, what is she wearing? Oh, Eric, why did you even, why did you even look at it? You're so stupid. Okay, you're even more distracted now, right? <laughs> or ain't, okay, so you, 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 can't, you can't beat yourself up and you can't like, okay, what, what is she wearing? It's like, okay, I shouldn't be looking at that. I'm not gonna look at that. I'm not gonna look at that. I'm not gonna look at that. Man, I can't stop looking at it because you resisted it and anything that you resist persists. But if I can bring loving awareness to it. Yeah, y'all should be writing that down. Yeah, that, that was a good one. That was a good one, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, but but it, that which you resist persists, and it's true. If you're distracted and you resist it, it gets bigger. But what if you bring loving awareness to it? Man, that was in me. She's probably a really good person. You know what? That's okay that I got distracted, because now I can go back to practice. That's a discipline, right? So anytime there's a distraction, I'm going back to practice. Bring love and awareness and go back to practice. Now here's what I'm disciplining myself for. Anything that I'm doing, whether it, I'm studying the word of God, whether I'm fasting, whether I'm praying, whether I'm meditating, whether we're doing service, whether we're doing justice, whatever we're doing, the intention is I'm doing this to have a fresh encounter with God. Now, if I can discipline myself as I sing, if I can discipline myself as I fast, with the intention that I am placing myself in the presence of God, it gives the Holy Spirit the time, the opportunity to form and shape Christ in your life. It's a Trinitarian experience, right? Mm -hmm. I'm putting myself in the presence of God so that the Holy Spirit can form me and shape me in the likeness of Christ Jesus, okay? Now, I, I do these frameworks and I, I'll say this, man, that I, I uh, the, just for clarity, I kind of think of disciplines as those things that I can do by myself. And I think of traditional Christian practices as those things that I do when the gathered people gather, right? When we're in community. Now, and I've shared this with you, there's this uh, wonderful uh, African-American uh, Christian thinker, uh, Barbara Holmes, who wrote this great book called Joy Unspeakable. Mm -hmm. If you haven't gotten Joy Unspeakable, just bless yourself and buy the book. But uh, I got into a conversation with her and I said, well, what are some of the individual things that you do um, for your spiritual formation? She said, I don't do anything by myself. I said, well, yeah, but you pray by yourself, don't you? She said, but that's for community. Uh, there, Everything that we're doing, whether it is spiritual disciplines that I'm doing by myself, praying, fasting, journaling, studying the word of God, I'm doing that by myself, but I'm doing it for community. So there actually are no, disciplines and practices are all predicated on deeper community. Okay. I thought that was a rich nuanced yeah. thing, yeah. but ultimately, we're doing all of these to discipline ourselves, to usher ourselves into the presence of God so that the Holy Spirit can form and shape us in the likeness of Christ Jesus. Last thing, and we'll move on. I don't know how many of you all have tried to do this by yourself, but how many of you all on, with your own energy, your own wisdom, your own intellect, your own tenacity, tried to love an enemy? How successful were we at that, right? Anything that God, that Jesus calls us to, they're very difficult, if not impossible, to exact that change 
in ourselves. That's a, a very Western way of doing it. We, we're going to master compassion. <laughs> we're going to master affection. No. Then you're actually doing it, but you're doing it from the ego. But to uh, be ushered into the presence of God, you know, th that allows the Holy Spirit to form and shape you into the likeness of Christ Jesus. And what you find, you look around and you're doing something that's so altruistic and so self-sacrificing, it shocks you. You're like, did I just love my enemy and bent to do it? and did it well, man, that must be Jesus, <laughs> right, right? But because it's, it's, it's not done by our own energy and in our own tenacity, it is allowing the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does, which is to transform us in the likeness of Christ Jesus where with unveiled faces, we reflect the glory. So if you were listening closely to what Eric just said, you heard another way of thinking about what exactly is discipleship. And I would say it like this, discipleship is learning to love what Jesus loved. Mm -hmm. And that's perhaps the hardest way of thinking about discipleship because most of us are pretty lousy at loving <laughs> the things Jesus loved, right? I. I I think that's just the truth. We're not great at it. Yeah. We're, we're pretty good at loving the people that are close to us, that are similar to us, but you know, mm. sometimes Jesus loves some people Oof. that just drive us up a wall. Mm -hmm. And frankly, we can't figure out if he actually knows them because anybody that knows, knows them. them. <laughs> yeah, it was like, why were you loving him? Yeah. Yeah. But Jesus, loves the church. After all, the church is his bride. Mm. And man, she's an ugly one sometimes, <laughs> right? Yeah? Sometimes you're like, whoo, Jesus, couldn't you have done better? Right. But Jesus loves the church. Yeah. I mean, he loves the church in a way we can't begin to fathom and we you know, we bicker and we bite at all these tiny little things. And he's like, yeah, but I love her. She's my wife. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And Jesus, and, and sometimes we don't understand that. And yet discipleship is learning to love what Jesus loved. And Jesus loves creation. And sometimes mm -hmm. we're really lousy at that. Mm -hmm. yes. Right? Really. Mm -hmm. Like all caps, double underline, mm -hmm. turn it red. Mm -hmm. We're really mm -hmm. lousy at loving creation in mm -hmm. the way Jesus did. Mm -hmm. I mean, after all, he was there at the beginning when it was all right. happening. Right. Right. And it was good. And it was, it was good. good. And you know, Jesus, he loved his neighbors. And I don't know about y'all, but I got a neighbor on one side of me. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to talk to that dude, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and now he's doing some crazy stuff in his yard and Candace and I keep looking over this fence going, mm -hmm. what is going on? Yeah. I got the other problem because my neighbor is really nice. I'm an introvert 
and Mike loves to talk. And I'm just trying to get my mail and get back in. And as I'm, I'm almost to the garage, howdy neighbor. Ah. And that's a 20 minute, if not 30 minute conversation with him just talking and me doing like this, uh-huh. <laughs> and love him. And as Eric has already highlighted, Jesus loves his enemies. Forgive them, Father. They don't really get what's going on mm -mm. here. Mm -mm. And the very fact that when we say the word enemy, there is either a person's face or a family mm -hmm. or an experience that comes mm -hmm. to mind says, yeah, we all got them. Mm -hmm. We all got them. We got people that it might have been 25 years ago, yeah, but we're still walking around with that scar from mm -hmm. the knife in the back. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it was at work or it was in school or it was when I was growing up or something. And I mean, I've got a stepfather. Mm -hmm. I have not seen since 1984. Mm -hmm. I do not want to see him. Mm -hmm. I will not be going to his funeral. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. hardest thing in my life is to acknowledge that God loves that man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I can tell you, I'm being, I'm being totally yeah. transparent here yeah. with you. I don't want to love him. Right. Well, that's why this, this, this issue of trying to do it by yourself yeah. is so critical when it comes to discipleship. Because once again, we got to put that word intentional on there. And if, if Jesus is the, the true North Star, if that's the direction that we're going and we're meaning to show up like Jesus and I don't love my neighbor and I don't, there's somebody that I vehemently hate, guess what? That's okay. And we got to do something about it if the commitment was to Christ and not my own self-righteousness, right? If, it, if I'm in it for my self-righteousness, if I'm in it to make myself feel better to myself or the people that are around me, man, you know how I can get major points, in particular as a preacher. You know how I can get, every Sunday, I can pick somebody that I know we don't like. And I can preach, and I can preach, y'all. I'm, I'm overly dramatic. And they would say, man, that was a good message. You verified my hatred, and we give you points for that. Simultaneously, you know how I can wreck a congregation, which I probably do more often than I like? I start leaning into enemy love and saying, and I don't like them either because that's not the point. Whether I like them or not, the point is if I'm a committed, devout follower of Jesus Christ, does Jesus love them? And if Jesus loves them, how can I be formed and shaped in the likeness of Christ Jesus where I can do that? And it's not gonna be done by me because I know my predilections <laughs> and I know how much I hate them, whoever them is. But for the Holy Spirit, to form and shape me? And more to the point about discipleship, because I want to kind of drill down a little bit more to some granular details. And I want to partner with someone who understands 
and has actually loved an enemy. Because now I can apprentice with them as we both apprentice Christ. So now I'm going to sit with somebody and when we have a conversation, I'm, I get a chance once I have built some credibility with Todd, once I built some, some what I call relational equity with him by spending time and showing that I care for him, I get the opportunity to ask the question, give me somebody that you do not love. Give me an enemy in your life. And, and Ty, like, okay, I gotta be honest with you, that stepfather of mine, I, that's an enemy. I'm like, thank you for sharing that. Now, can I love you well? And can we both begin to look at scripture Look at Jesus's behavior and can we apprentice together in this? Because it's your stepfather for you. It's my, you know, next door neighbor for me. And this is how much I hate him. <laughs> and this is how I have loved him by the Holy Spirit forming and shaping me. And because now it's not theoretical. Now it's not conceptual. Now it's not just something that we read. It is flesh and blood, names and actions and behaviors. And we're both more likely than not to really lean into the Holy Spirit forming and shaping us because now it's not just talk, you know? Um, and, and here's my fear, Todd, and I'm gonna be honest with you, and this is why I'm so passionate about discipleship. I know there are people in our congregations that are sitting there and they thought when they got baptized that something was gonna happen and they were going to be able to do those things that they read in the Bible and they're just as lecherous, just as thoughtless, just as uh, uh, short-sighted and we got this social contract in churches. I don't know if y'all got this social contract at your church, but I know in Malibu, we got this social contract that says, hey, let's pretend we're okay. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, man, how you doing? I'm okay, you okay? It ain't nobody okay. <laughs> nobody is okay. Nobody is okay. And so, because we got this social contract, this poor man who, who honestly, because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life, I love this dude. And this dude has been coming to church every Sunday really feeling like the baptism didn't work. And I'm just here, hopefully, to slide into heaven on a technicality. And his life is not rich with kingdom possibilities. Oh, but to live in the kingdom possibilities, I don't care if I'm sitting there. And, and people, people do ask me that now, like, Eric, you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, are you? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Because the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is active and can form and shape us if we get into these discipleship relationships where we actually begin doing the things of God. Healing hurts feeding the hungry, loving the least of these, all those things that we talk about doing, we actually doing them. And as you say, man, life is just full. 
So, so let's talk for a second mm -hmm. about our perspective on just in general, what's the purpose of discipleship? Yeah, yeah, I, and, I, and I think this is the purpose, uh, Todd. I, um, the, the outbreak of the kingdom of God here and now, right? Not, and I mean, it can be, happen in huge ways. I, I love big things, um, but when I think about the outbreak of the kingdom of God, I'm thinking about these small, intimate moments where it's inside of us, where we offer ourselves some grace in critical times. Because we, you, you talk about loving enemies, I think probably up there, the hardest person to love is ourselves. Mm. Down the list then is the, the skill set to receive love, then I think is enemy love. <laughs> we beat ourselves up far too much for somebody that God calls the beloved, right? That's your new name, right? Jacob got a new name. He's, his, you know, uh, Simon got a new name, right? Saul got a new name. All believers in Christ Jesus right now, in the name of Christ Jesus, your name is the beloved. Mm -hmm. And you, and, and let me be uh, overly dramatic about it. Um, how dare you? How dare you beat yourself up when God has already said that you are his beloved? You don't have the right. But what happens in a discipleship relationship where I learn to offer grace to myself? It's the kingdom breaking out, right? And when I do that with people that I love and, and all of a sudden there's some wisdom that, that is, is offered that's greater than my, my own capacity. Um, that's the kingdom breaking out. Anytime these acts of sacrificial love occur to the point where it points towards Yahweh, it's a kingdom breaking out in the world. And um, we, I don't know about y'all, but I'm not seeing a lot of kingdom breaking out <laughs> these days. And could it be because we talk a good game about discipleship, but just not doing it, right? Uh, my theory is um, that there aren't any church problems except one, discipleship, yeah, yeah. right? You name me a church problem, and then you put there building authentic relationships that teach us the ways and teachings of Jesus Christ, could it solve that service problem? Could it uh, uh, inform that giving problem? Can it inform that compassion problem? All the things that we would list on one side of church problems, on the other end is a solution called discipleship because the outbreak of the kingdom of God is birthed from that. Um, so that's what I'm thinking about purpose. It is, that we mean to show up like Jesus 
for God, for ourselves, for our families, for our church communities, and for the communities that that community yeah. serves. What, how would you how, how would you look well, at Willie? What time do we need to be done? Nine forty-five. Yeah, I'm so glad we got it twenty minutes thirty. Yeah, all right. Um, was there a question back here? I just wanted to make a comment to what you were saying um, about we are the we are the beloved. Mm -hmm. right? This is a game changer for me in my life in my walk in my, <laughs> my own discipleship. Man, tell me about that. Um, I was dealing with some pretty strong anxiety and depression yep. a few years back. And um, I didn't want to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Man, can I interrupt you and only ask the, the question? Um, and, and literally, we model because uh, these are discipleship conversations. What predicated what? Was it the, the depression that informed the, the, the self-hatred or self-hatred formed the, the depression? And I might be pushing it to say self-hatred. It might not be that. I really don't know. Uh -huh. I, mean, I couldn't, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it was unexplainable. Uh -huh. um, it, was, it was kind of, I think it maybe culminated over, over time. Okay. But, you know, I hear voices, I'm not good enough, I have no friends, yes. people don't like me. Yep. Um, all of these, these things mm. uh, that I was hearing in my head, and I was agreeing with them. Right. That is a sin. That is a sin. And I didn't realize it at the time, yep. but that is, that is sin because that is not what God thinks of us. Right. It's not true. Right. That is the enemy. That was the enemy speaking to me. Right. Um, during that time, though, my wife was dealing with anxiety. Mm, mm. Um, I'm sorry. I asked God to forgive me. Mm -hmm. He said, please forgive me. Mm -hmm. um, and those thoughts creep back into my mind. I rebuke you, Satan. Right. In the name of Jesus. I am the head, not the tail. I, I'm yes. a child of God. Yes. Uh, highly favored. Yeah. And that's the truth. Yes. And I stood on that truth. Yes. Thank you. And it, anxiety, depression went away immediately. My wife quit having anxiety. Hallelujah. She quit waking up with yes. fears in the middle Yes. Yes. That's where that's step number one in my opinion. In yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. You gotta you gotta get right here. Right. Because you cannot disciple others if you don't love yourself mm. and you don't and you're not thinking good things about yourself. Right. That's the to me is a, is is a, the door is open at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, something else I, I that I had a vision while you were talking. Mm. Um, if you were standing there, for those of you who have kids and you over here, two teachers talking about your kids. Mm. How upset are you going to be? Mm -hmm. Pretty upset, aren't mm -hmm. you? Well, that's what God hears yes. when we talk about. Others. Yeah, yeah. So if you talk about other people, mm -hmm. you know, gossip, mm -hmm. kids will. I don't know if God would allow us to disciple <clears throat> His children. If right. Where if we do that? Well, so two, two, those are two big things that really popped out, and I felt like I had. To uh, oh no, no, thank you. Tell me your name, man. Philip. Philip, thank you, Philip, man. That's 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 divine work, and and that's that's real. Two things in 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 response to that. Um, if you want to see discipleship explode and expand in your context, pray the prayer. God, make us trustworthy to receive your people. Make, make us the kind of trustworthy people that you could trust 
Because if God is seeing us bicker and ye- why would he take a broken heart and say, hey, let me put them amongst them, th- those people because they'll be cared for well. No, God, give me the trust. And, and the second thing, you, you, uh, Brett, you mentioned the, uh, the breath prayer. Um, and it is the breath prayer that I prayed for easily, you know, 15, 16 years at this point. I am my beloved and my beloved is mine is because I was living with a lot of self-hatred because in the society that I'm in and the uh, color of skin I'm clothed in, I'm often in media painted as the problem, right? And what happens if you grow up with that and you believe that? Then all of a sudden I'm the issue everybody has to work around. I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. And I breathe that in a hundred times as often as I can a week. And all of a sudden, I'm not believing the lie that I am the problem, but I am positioned for God to be the solution. I'm not the solution but I can position myself where the Holy Spirit right. can so work through. Of that. Right, Black hope. exactly, exactly. And, 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 and I refuse to because I honestly believe what scripture says about us and that we are the beloved and it changes everything. And it not only changes the, the, our interior life, it, as you say, it changes the things around us, our family's life, the, 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 the spirit in that room. And that can be accomplished through discipleship relationships. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Philip, mm-hmm. for sharing that. That was Absolutely. So beautiful. I, I just want to follow up with Please. that and say that anxiety and depression are just crippling and terrible. Yeah. And it's so profound and beautiful to hear that you were able to pray that away for yourself and your wife and your children. Um, Sometimes that doesn't work. Right, right. And for anyone in here or your family that has prayed and it didn't go away, Mm -hmm. don't lose hope. Right. Don't feel that you're not praying well or Or you don't have faith. Yeah. That your faith is not strong enough. Mm -hmm. I like the spiritual side. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that because I was not clinically or you know, no chemical imbalance mm-hmm. like that. I legit was dealing with a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, there's there probably a difference. <clears throat> I don't know, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, I'm not either, but I will say this, and as you bring this up, uh, I work with college students, and y'all, they're generations, it's a stacked generation of young people that are dealing with anxiety and depression in profound ways. And I believe that the Holy Spirit can transform their lives. And sometimes that transformation comes through some really good therapy and some really good meds and some talk therapy that doesn't just get at behavior modification, all right? Therapy is really good for behavior modification, and I, I really celebrate the work that, that they do. And one of the things that the church can, can really do well and devout followers of Christ that can love them well is to get at what the heart 
of it is, because it takes both. And so I really appreciate that. Did you have more that you wanted to no, share about that? Yes. Wanted to make that point that mm -hmm. it doesn't always work that way, and to keep to seek help from your doctor, or yeah, therapist, or someone. Well, I really like appreciate you saying that because what we don't want is people to think my faith wasn't strong enough, or my sin was too great, or what I did was unredeemable. Um, I'm preaching a sermon tomorrow um, with about Jacob wrestling with God. Um, I'm now at the point that I think that he was wrestling with himself and wrestling with God. Um, but at the end of the day, the idea is God can be found at your darkest and deepest wretchedness, that there is no place that God cannot show up. But once again, we, we, we talk about these things in the context of a discipleship relationship, right? Because that's the healthy space to put it. So we started off talking about kind of definitions, mm -hmm. if you will, of discipleship. And, and we've shifted a little bit into the purpose of mm -hmm. discipleship. And, and if you'll forgive me to let me nerd out for just a second Please do. Here. <laughs> um, you know, back about uh, the la just at the beginning of the latter half of the 15th century. So that's, I forget if it's 1450-something, 1460-something. Gutenberg developed the movable type printing mm -hmm. press, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going way back into high school <laughs> history class here. Okay, Gutenberg created the movable type printing press, and, and the first thing that was printed was the Bible. And then the second thing that was printed was, and in the next 50 years, Bibles became prolific, at least in comparison, not in comparison to today, mm -hmm. but in comparison to where, what they had been before. Mm -hmm. And it was because of that, because that happened, that about 50 years later, uh, old Martin, our buddy right. Martin, right. you know, he's actually reading the thing, right. which was kind of a novel idea, you know, read the Bible. Right? He's reading the thing and he's realized, he's looking at his Catholic church and he's going, what the mm -hmm. heck? Like, what's going on mm -hmm. here? And of course, you guys have heard about the 95 theses, you know, these 95 critiques of the Catholic church he supposedly nailed on the door at the Wittenberg Chapel. Okay. Since that moment, so in the past 500 years, mm -hmm. Protestants have multiplied denominations mm. so that today there are 47,000 Protestant denominations in 500 years. 47,000. For all of my mathematicians in the room, you know that is slightly <laughs> below 100 Protestant denominations mm. per year for 500 years. Mm -hmm. Let that sink in a minute. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we all get in our little corners and we pat ourselves mm -hmm. on the back. I read the Bible better than everybody mm -hmm. else. And for 500 years, people have been telling themselves they read the Bible better than their neighbor. Mm. And since I read the Bible, I'm faithful. He doesn't see it the same way. He must not be faithful. Therefore, I have to break away and create the perfect church, right? We're, we are the God, the church. We're the church that was founded in AD 33. 
Right? <laughs> now, forgive me for being just a little snarky in all of that, okay? My point is that for 500 years, Protestants have been radically, deeply, in great detail, studying the Bible. Mm -hmm. And in the mid-1930s, some of the most scholarly aware Bible students were in Germany. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what happened in Germany in the 1930s? Mm -hmm. All of these brilliant Bible scholars mm -hmm. followed doofus. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Now, um, obviously I'm making fun and dramatizing it, but the point here mm -hmm. is this. Bible study ain't even close to enough. No. Nope. Bible study is not enough. Historically, I would, I'm generalizing here, I'm guessing, but I'm guessing that of all Protestant disciple pro programs and processes and books, they are basically in one form or another Bible study. Hmm. Now, mind you, I have a graduate degree in theology. I love the Bible mm -hmm. and I th fancy mm -hmm. myself a rather good student of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bible study is not enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, if I were to say, what is the point mm -hmm. of discipleship? I would say the point of discipleship is us learning to walk the way of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Do you hear that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't say learning to think the thoughts of the Lord. Right. Right. I said learning to walk the way of the Lord, meaning, um, that discipleship is about how we go about life. We study the Bible as one resource for that, a fantastic resource. Amazing Probably resource. the preeminent mm -hmm. resource and the one we should start with. Absolutely. But there comes a point at which just knowing the names of the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel, mm -hmm. and the 66 books of the Bible, mm -hmm. and then being able to say something intelligent about the book of Romans or whatever, mm -hmm. that's insufficient. Mm -hmm. Because you and I both show up in our places of work, we show up in the coffee shop, we show up in the grocery store line, we show up at ball games, and we show up in all those places of life, mm -hmm. and we're presented with real life circumstances. Frankly, we show up in our living rooms with our teenage children. Right, right. Is that a right, right? And yes. Being able to quote a Bible passage may or may not, and I'm I'm going to lean a little bit toward the may not, be a sufficient response to those various situations. Might even make it worse. Might even make it worse. Anybody had that experience, right? You had the perfect Bible quote for that moment and it falls flat and it pushes them further back from faith. We got five minutes, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. And we have Let me wrap up with okay. one statement. Yeah. So here's how I would sum it up. That our, the purpose of discipleship is to teach us to listen and pay attention mm -hmm. more deeply, 
to Important. surrender to the leading of the Lord, be him, be it in scripture or via the Holy Spirit spoken in our inner being, and then take action accordingly. Mm. Listen, surrender, go take action according to the way of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I'll, I'll make it even uh, worse. I think it's beautiful, but it's actually worse. Um, uh, way of saying it, at the heart of our faith practice is a cross yeah. and a grave and an open tomb, all right? We are signing up intentionally to apprentice, dying to some things, grieving some things so some other things can be resurrected. We are signing up intentionally to apprentice, dying to some things, grieving some things so some other things can live, okay? This is at the heart of, of, of the work of the way of Jesus. Sure, sure, we are uh, signing up to intentionally apprentice and dying to some things, grieving some things, so that some other things can live, Amen. can be resurrected in our world. I think about that, uh, I mean, I got two teenage boys and I gotta die to some things. <laughs> And I got to grieve some things. But when I do, all of a sudden, I see some things resurrected in their lives that I didn't anticipate. Questions? Last statements? Uh, uh huh? I just wanted to say one thing about when you're talking about gossip and you're talking about being words. The simplest, just like, statement of that is the more you talk to people about people, the more anger and annoyance and hatred you're going to get to them. Mm. But the more you talk to God about people, the more you're going to realize, oh, shoot. <laughs> you're going to get God's heart. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we don't talk to God so, about that. So the point is, <laughs> the point is, don't go to God if you want to continue hating Exactly. Him, right? Yeah, yeah. Well said, man. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so true. Um, let, let me wrap it up with this thought. How many of you like music? Anybody a classical music fan? I, I kind of nerd out on classical sometimes. How about jazz? I better get more hands on jazz, okay? When, when we think about spiritual practices, mm -hmm. right? The classic practices of prayer and fasting and solitude and silence and worship and all of that. And then we think of creative practices, you know, like anybody love gardening? Do you like connect with God and gardening? Mm -hmm. Anybody here? Mm -hmm. How about the outdoors, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Who likes to hike and, mm -hmm. and canoe and in the, mm -hmm. climb, go up to mountains and you're like, oh, this is, I'm, me and God, we're awesome mm -hmm. up here, right? Okay. Um, the spiritual practices, sometimes instead of thinking of them as disciplines, which in, implies sort of a rigid, mm -hmm kind of disciplined kind of way, uh, we talk about them as rhythms, mm -hmm. as rhythms. 
and not classical music rhythms, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you know anything about classical music, you know the real artist is the composer. Right. Right? And everybody that comes after the composer, the conductor, and all the musicians, their job is to do what? Do exactly what is written on the paper, mm -hmm. right? Jazz is a little different, right? In jazz, everybody is an artist. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets to have a participation in it. Because whoever wrote the jazz piece, he wrote it, but then the conductor mm -hmm. brings his own kind of interpretation. Mm -hmm. And I know that happens some in classical music, but nothing like it does yeah, in jazz. Yeah. The conductor brings their own kind of interpretation to the jazz piece. And the writer of the jazz piece not only knows it, intended it to right. be that way, right? right? And then every musician is welcome to kind of put their own spin and their own flavor on it. So much so that in classical jazz, they will take a break during every piece and let every instrument have a solo, the riff, right? And what's really cool, if you follow any particular jazz band, when, um, when the trumpet player today riffs and he does a certain thing. If you listen to him tomorrow, he right. will do something completely different. Right. It's still within the same piece, it's still the same, uh, the same piece, the same rhythms, the same harmonies, but he's doing something different, but he's staying in rhythm. Right. And in, so in this respect, God sets our rhythm and our job is kind of riff our life in Jesus, mm. right? Play what we need to play in a given moment, mm -hmm. but continue to keep living in that rhythm. And listening. Got any final word? Well, and, and it's that, it's, and, it, and it's listening. It's, and the, the, the great thing about jazz is that um, the, the Lectio, um, he said it best, we all, we all, we're, we're in community together and we're listening to the spirit because we're in community with the spirit. We're reading scripture. We're working together. And discipleship is a communal act, right? We're not doing it alone. It's not just purely a solo. It's a solo based in community with all the other musicians, but it requires the ability to listen well. Thank you all. All right, Willie. We took about five more minutes. That's all right. We planned for that, so that's okay. So, uh, thank you, Todd and Eric, so much for getting us started this morning. We have now laid the groundwork for what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the day about discipleship. Uh, we've talked about it. The next session will show, it, show us what it looks like in practice. We're going to be looking at a film called Ordinary People. Uh, that shows what discipleship movements look like, not only around the world, but here in this country as well. So we're gonna take a break. Feel free to get more snacks over there, coffee and donuts, uh, coffee and donuts, I wish we had donuts. Coffee and, and tea and water, and we'll be in 113 starting around 10 o'clock with the movie. So thank you very much.